0: Well, good morning. good morning, whether you're you're live or live stream, uh, my name is Ron Dozier, and it's my privilege and delight to serve as the campus pastor here at Good Shepherd, where not only individually, but collectively, we are living out that mission of inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus, who is God's Christ. And I'm just delighted to be with you for week three of this current series called Room for Improvement. And the last time I checked, I'm looking forward to every week, because my wife, I tell you, I need a lot of improvement. So I just, (laughs) I appreciate being able to be with you here today. Uh, But whether uh, whatever we are sharing about, there's a couple of things that we believe in leadership here that we're confident about. That one of them is this, that this is not a book, but it's a library. It's made up of 66 books. And unlike any other book in the world, This book is inspired, it's eternal, and it's true. So we do something that some people think is kind of odd. We lift it up. If you're tuning in online, we lift it up. But this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. See, we are joyfully uh, happy to submit ourselves under the authority of the Lord. And we illustrate that by lifting the word up. Amen. Another thing that we do that we're pretty passionate about around here is the opportunity to, as that song said, that we can go before the Lord in prayer. So I'm so thankful that we can do that. And before I share with you the message, um, I'm going to pray. But before I do, I'm going to thank all those that make up the prayer team and all those that that pray for me, I just want you to know that it means so much, it means so much to me when you take the time to lift me up in prayer and my family, Uh, so thank you, thank you for what you do. So before we get started, let us pray. So God, thank you for the privilege to be able to stand and to just share your word with your people. And God, even now, I pray that uh, I would decrease so that you might increase. Give me the ability to preach with strength, demonstration of your spirit and power. For our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power that comes from only you, God. Thank you for this word, and I pray, Lord, as you always do, you go way beyond Our words and the work of your spirit and the hearts of your people. So I yield and submit and direct our hearts beyond me to you. Have thine own way, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all who agree say together, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, growing up as as a child, I used to be excited about. Yeah, there you go, (laughs) that's me. I used to be excited, before you say, ah, listen to this, I used to be excited about attending church on Sunday mornings. And before you say, oh, how nice, let me explain to you my motivation. My grandparents used to give me a dollar, and they used to tell me to put that in the offering plate. Now, for the first couple of weeks, things kind of worked out as they planned. Money in my hand, money placed in the offering. Then one fine Sunday, I kind of looked at that dollar and decided all the things that I could buy with that dollar, like candy, soda, and all of these other things. So then the next couple of Sundays, I used to do kind of the sleight of hand. I'm not proud of this, but kind of the slight, sleight of hand on Sunday morning. I go down, check to see if they're looking, and just kind of, oh, praise him. As I, as I, as I, Amen, I feel so bad as I I pulled it back. But the interesting thing about it is, is that sleight of hand illustrated something that was happening in my heart. You see, money has a way of revealing our mindset. I made the assumption of consumption while counting up my currency there's a couple of things that I failed to consider. What I possessed was the result of what somebody else had provided. My grandparents were trying to teach and sow something into my life, something that they themselves illustrated, something that brought them great joy that they wanted me to experience as well. But like many others, I fell into the trap of counting up and then counting on the money. I remember asking a few teenagers not too long ago what they wanted to be when they grew up. I expected to hear answers like, well, I think I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a businessman, maybe an athlete, an artist. But all three of them were consistent in their one-word response. What do you want to be when you grow up? Rich? What? What do you want to be when you grow up? Rich? Rich? What do you want to be, rich? Hmm. After all, some would say money is where we measure success. Money is where we find our value. Money is where we ultimately find, for some, security. Only money is like a mirror that reflects what's going on in our hearts. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your life will be also. Now, money is significant because we exchange it for what we value. What you do with your money, what I do with my money, shows what we value within our heart. We value eating. How many people value eating? I know I value eating. Amen. So we spend money on food. We value education, so we pay for tuition and books and trades, whatever. We, we just do that because we value education. We value entertainment. So we get streaming sports and we get cable and go to concerts. Some people today are going, well now, are they playing here? It, okay, well maybe you're not going to the football game today. <laughs> Some people value communication so they get a phone, an expensive phone, a phone that sometimes costs more than a car payment. And then when before the contract runs out, it gotta get the next version of the iPhone. We value the work of the church, so we give to ministries. Now my prayer for us today is that as we count up our finances, assets, possessions, all the things that God has provided, that we won't stop there, that once we count up, we'll take another necessary step that I look forward to sharing with you today. And Jesus just nails it, life-changing truth in the passage that we're gonna take a look at, because he wants to make sure that we don't get the count wrong. So turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Gonna read. Let's read it together, verses 12, I'm sorry, verses 13 and 14. I believe we have it up on the screen. If you're ready, just say amen. Amen. If you're online, just wave, if you're ready, just wave. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Someone in the crowd interrupts Jesus with a directive Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, as I was looking at the text and just kind of reading it, I recognized it. How often this guy reminded me of something that we do so easily when it comes to Jesus, how we reverse the roles, how we're listening, teacher, and then we say, teacher tell. It's like listening for a direction, then all of a sudden we become the director. It's like it's so easy to call Jesus teacher and then only focus on somebody else getting the lesson. I know that all too well. Me and my wife just recently, every year, we try to do something to enrich our marriage. And our church offers a beautiful class uh, called Reengage. And my wife and I decided to go through it. And I'm so excited, I'm thinking, wow, we're just gonna grow together, learning all this truth. But internally on the inside, as we sat there in class, I was getting so giddy and excited because I was thinking about all the ways that the stuff I was learning that my wife, Sonya, could apply. (laughs) I'm sitting there like, "Ooh, this is so good. I I can't wait for her to do all of this good stuff. A teacher (laughs) tell her to do all of these things. I remember one time we kind of locked eyes with one another one time in class. And I could tell, you know, having been married to her for 24 years, I could, I could see that look in her eye. She had the same look that I had. <laughs> she was locked into some things that she figured, boy, if he would just do this, ooh, this would be so good. And I'm looking at her thinking, ooh, if you just do this, this would be so fine. But it's teacher. I'm listening for instruction, but that I get off to telling him what to do. And we reverse the roles so easy. Teacher, tell my wife or your spouse, tell them to do this. Teacher, tell my child to do this. When the teacher is instructing, we have the opportunity to lean in and not just have it where somebody else gets the lesson, but so that we ourselves get the truth that's transformational for our life, so as we get the truth, our influence begins to work in a way that God designs for us. Now, Jesus could have explained to the man, what well, he'd already outlined in scripture, according to dividing of the inheritances, the firstborn receives a, a double portion. Instead, Jesus responds, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And yet, as Jesus always does, he's looking a little deeper. Now actually, when you look at the text and you read it, the you in there, it's plural would suggest that the man and his brother were standing there, not just the man, but they both were standing there in front of Jesus, then Jesus issues a warning that needs to be heard, repeated, and echoed, because the enemy is destroying individuals, families, communities, because we're we're failing to heed his warning. Take a look at verse 15, let's see what he says. Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of what? He didn't seem so excited about that, we're gonna read that again, <laughs> amen? Matter of so fact, let's read it together, let's read verse 15 together, because I want us to be able to share it later with others Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Think about that for a minute. Let that settle down into your spirit. I remember how materialistic I was growing up and chasing after possessions where I thought that those things would bring meaning to my life, only to end up ruining relationships with family and other people because I got possessed by possessions. Watch out, our life is more than our possessions. Now we praise God for property, assets, and all the things that God is doing. Jesus knows and wants us to understand your life, my life, has more value than your valuables. And don't let materialism or things that he provides keep us from developing internally our character because that is just as even more important You ever seen sometimes, and I'm not talking about anybody in here, amen, but sometimes we can allow possessions or property or money to fill us with so much pride. The next thing you know, we are looking down on or looking differently towards other people. Jesus goes on and he introduces them, but he shares a parable, he gives a story to illustrate the point that he's driving home. Let me read the parable for us. It starts at verse 16. This is how you know that he told them a parable. It says, and he told them this parable. That's how I knew y'all. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man, it yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store up my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Did you hear that? Did you see what Jesus was illustrating in the parable? Did you notice that everything revolved around this man, in the parable. His self-focus and greed cause him not to consider others, but not to consider the one that all of us have to consider, and that's God. Then the question is posed. Who's gonna get what you have prepared for yourself? I'm so thankful that God has taught me what my grandparents were trying to sow into my heart with that little object lesson, with the dollar. It it, it wasn't about the dollar, you you do realize that. When they told me to give the money and the offering, you see their lifestyle reflected that they were not possessed by their possessions. They lived in such a way before me like they were God's possession and it impacted me. And I want for me and my wife to impact our family so they will know life is much more than possessions, especially when we're God's possession. Who's gonna get all the possessions? Well, it's the one who provided them in the first place. If I were to answer that question, the one who systematically and periodically we give back to intentionally give as a way to recognize that we have been given to, what did the person in the parable fail to do? Look at verse 21 again. Jesus says this. You know what? I like it when we say it together. Can can we say this one together again? Okay, let's say this one. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And here's what I wanted to share with you. I just couldn't wait, but here it is. I'm gonna let you know. While counting up your finances, make sure that you're counting on God. While counting up, The things that God has provided, there ought to be a tangible reflection of trust with the Lord, that he's deepening, that he's developing. I'm not saying riches are bad, don't hear what I'm not saying. God is good, pouring in generously into our lives, but we don't want to be like this rich man, thinking that everything revolves around us and forgetting About God, the one that we need to count on. Well, recently, during a prayer gathering, one of the prayers, uh, we were praying for people who, in all of this debt, bills are mounting up and pressing them down. And we began to pray, and then one of the prayers stopped us, and she shared her testimony how she went from living in luxury to being a widow with huge debt and a child to care for. It was so good, I was just like, sister, can I share that? I'm great, preach, I'm great. Can I share your testimony? She said, sure, amen. So that's where this comes from. Let me read it to you. She said this, I think we have it up on the screen. When my husband died, I learned he had left a life insurance policy for me so I deposited it in the bank and a savings account and left it there. My 15-year-old son and I lived on social security that was applied until our son was out of school. We had so much debt. Almost daily, bill collectors called. The stress was so heavy. The shame was great. I wanted to work off the debt but couldn't find a job that matched with what my son needed from me. I didn't want the life insurance money. I wanted my husband to be alive. To use that money was like agreeing to his dying, so it sat there. After about a year and a half, I was sitting in my prayer place with my Bible in my lap. I asked the Lord, what should I do? He led me to scripture to emphasize handling my debts responsibly. I knew what I had to do. The next day, I accessed the life insurance money and paid off everything. I completely paid off the house, car, hospital bills. I did not stop until everything was paid. Only the Lord wasn't through with me. It's not just about the money debt. That was simply an object lesson. Jesus' death and inheritance is far greater. My husband sacrificed to provide a life insurance policy because of his love for me and our children. How hurtful it would be to him if he knew I rejected it, if I did not receive it with a grateful heart. If I just buried it in a vault somewhere, how Jesus must hurt when after he has died for us to be clean from the debt of sin, we still walk around shamed and heavy carrying our sin debts as if there was no solution. There is greater joy in that than in any financial inheritance. Amen. some counting on God involves allowing him to bring you out of debt while living with less because along the way you discover that Jesus is more. When we place our possessions in God's hand, that tangible reflection, we move from I to us, from just me to we. One of the things that we encourage engaged couples to do, we have this premarital class that we do called Merge that's offered here. If you know anybody that's interested in getting married, direct them to Merge. But one of the things we encourage engaged couples to do when they get married is to have a joint account. And there are multiple reasons why this is so healthy. Beyond the money though, it's about humility and transparency. We find joy in generosity, but it means to tangibly reflect that everything that we have comes from God. We demonstrate our trust in him. It means to intentionally give, to use what he has provided for his glory And for the good of other people, did you know that finances can be enjoyed and employed simultaneously if our purpose is to honor God? Are you interested in honoring God? Amen. I don't ever want to be the servant of money. And money can't be my master because Jesus is and we can't serve God and money. You love the one and hate the other. Counting on God equals counting me in when it comes to the things that God is doing, where I'm connected to, the things that the church is doing. It's not enough for me and my family to hear all of the good things that are going on internationally, nationally, and locally, Counting on God is saying, count me in. God, count me in to what you're doing. Let us sow into the good things, showing your generosity that's not just to us but through us to benefit other people. My wife Sonya and I, I think we have a picture up there. Look how good she looks. That's our engagement picture. Decided before we got married that our finances would serve God's purposes. So we give. While counting up our finances, make sure that you're counting on God. He is cultivating, when we do, he's cultivating Christ-likeness inside of us. Our God is so generous. Is there a witness in the building? Maybe online. We serve a generous God. He's given us, according to Ephesians, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He's so generous, he's given his only begotten son that Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. His gift of his son gave his life so that we might have life. And according to Acts 17, 25, it's not that God needs these things from us. He's not served with human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives to everyone life and breath and everything else. Do you know, just pause for a second, everybody do this, just breathe in. That breath that you just breathed in, that I just breathed in, that's a gift from God. And he is so generous. So when we breathe in, now I'm gonna breathe out tangibly by praising him, but by also being generous with him as well. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus would go on after this parable to tell them, the disciples, those that are there, don't worry about your life. Be concerned about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, and all those things. It says, your heavenly Father knows all the things that you stand in need of. And guess what? He's trustworthy. He's going to look after you. So trust in the Lord. You can do it. He has a good track record. He's going to pour into your life his love, purpose. So you don't have to be possessed by your possession. You can be his possession. While you're counting up your finances, make sure that you're counting on who? Make sure that we're counting on God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we can count on you. I praise you for what my grandparents did and teaching me and sowing that principle of joyful giving into my life. And thank you that you give me and my wife and family the privilege of sowing into the good things that you're doing right here at Good Shepherd and, and even in the world. And everything we do, Lord, We just seek to honor you, so I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here that's shackled with debt, whether physical or spiritual, I pray for freedom and relief to receive exactly what you have for us that brings liberty. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, let all who agree say together, amen.